Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the River Heights Buzz Podcast. We are on episode 68 today. We are your hosts. I'm Alexa. And I'm Candace. Today we are talking about game number 13, The Last Train to Blue Moon Canyon. And we have a special interview. Yes, we do. Who's our special interviewee, Candace? Uh, our special interviewee is the man who does the voice of John Gray. And his name is Lowell Dale. So stay so tuned. Stay the tuned end for of the episode. It was, a, it was a fun conversation. I enjoyed it. I did too. I'm just throwing this out there now. We did record that interview back in the fall. So we've been sitting on it for a minute. Yeah. Gosh, it's hard to, to believe that it's been that long ago. But yeah, it has. Yeah. <laughs> Can't believe it. I know. Time just flies. So, like you said, this is game number 13. Um, and the fun thing about this is if you look at the picture that came on the box um, for the game, there are lots of hidden 13s in the picture. I'm not exactly sure how many, but there are multiple. I know that. So, this game was released on September 13th, 2005, and takes place. Uh, well, heading towards Copper Gorge, Colorado. This is based on the Nancy Drew Hardy Boys Super Mystery Number no. 8 Mystery Train. This is the first game to feature the physical appearance of the Hardy Boys and the final game to feature a letter at the beginning of the game. I didn't realize that. I didn't either. That's interesting. Last Train to Blue Moon Canyon has received positive reviews from fans and continues to be one of the most popular games in the series due to its inclusion of the Hardy Boys and its unique gameplay. I'm getting my information from the Bible, the Nancy Drew wiki page. <laughs> so here is a brief synopsis. Catch this train. It's your only ticket to a century-old mystery. The Hardy Boys have invited you as Nancy Drew on a train ride out west hosted by the beautiful and prominent socialite Lori Gerard. Lori has gathered the greatest minds in mystery to solve a century-old secret, and the haunted train is their best clue. The luxurious train once belonged to Jake Hurley, who set out long ago to find the mother load during mining mania. Years later, in 1903, his train was found in Blue Moon Canyon, Nevada, with the engineer slumped over in the car, dead. Jake was never seen again. Now, shortly into the trip, Lori disappears, and you must search for her as well as for clues to Jake's mine. Climb aboard and see if you can uncover the truth at the end of the line. <laughs> I mean, it makes it sound pretty dang good. Yipper. So, <laughs> do you want to just start by talking about our characters? Sure. Okay. So, first, I mean, we can talk about the first main scene in the game, the kind of, like, cutaway scene where we're sitting in one of the train cars and uh, essentially kind of sitting in a circle and Lori Gerard is there and she's introducing everybody. I think it's pretty funny that there were some very, very obvious parodies of really pop culture that was um, re really relevant at this time, such as Lori being the kind of out-of-touch, full-of-herself, socialite, rich girl, essentially. So... <laughs> The Nancy Drew wiki page says for Lori that she is the daughter of a very rich man and uses that as her main claim to fame. She's somewhat of a spoiled airhead, but at times shows flashes of intelligence. Uh, <laughs> airhead. I, think I just got to laugh. I'm yeah, sorry. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty accurate. Oh, man. Another one of our characters is Tino Balducci, who we have talked about before because he made an appearance um, as a contact in uh, White Wolf of Icicle Creek. Yep. And he's a pain in the butt. And the website for the game says Tino is a police detective famous for apprehending two bank robbers that had almost gotten away without a hitch. He thinks of himself as the smartest person on the train and usually looks down on Nancy and the Hardy Boys. And again, that's pretty accurate. Uh -huh. Another one that's totally full of himself. Oh, so. man. Then we have Charlena Purcell, who um, our listeners may recognize from being a phone contact in Secret of Shadow Ranch. 
Um, she is listed as a romance novelist who's an authority on the Old West. She has no great liking for Lori, but her knowledge may be a help in the search. I mean, you know, Lori might be kind of a spoiled airhead like the website says, but she definitely picked some good people to, to help her along this journey. Another character is John Gray who is the host of a show called Ghost Chasers, which I would assume is probably a parody of like the ghost adventures, ghost hunters kind of TV show that was popular back then and honestly is still popular now. Um, the website says since Jake Hurley's wife, Camille, is rumored to haunt the train, he set up his equipment to try finding proof of the haunting. Yep. So... Uh, he's another very interesting character. And then at the end of uh, Lori introducing everybody, she then turns to the Hardy Boys and essentially, you know, says that her dad and their dad know each other. And then she turns to Nancy and she calls us Natalie. Like It's a constant throughout the game where uh, Lori messes up Nancy's name. Yeah. I was thinking, too, when I was playing the game that when, um, especially with the Hardy Boys being in this game, I'm so glad Lori didn't say, instead of Hardy, she didn't say Farty. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, man. Yeah, she is, um, she's a mess. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the first cutscene is Lori introducing everybody, and then the next thing we know... The room goes black. We hear Lori scream. Lights cut back on and she's gone. Yep. Drama right from the get-go. And then John Gray stands up and has <laughs> has his moment and says, you know, something along the lines of people shouldn't mess with things that they don't understand. And then he walks away. <laughs> oh, man. So static. Yep. So we start by talking to Charlena and... You know, once again, go ahead and kick us while we're down. First, Lori calls us by the wrong name, and then we're talking to Charlena, and she doesn't even remember that, you know, just a few games ago, we were talking to her on the phone multiple times about Shadow Ranch and Dirk Valentine. It's fine, maybe. Yeah, I'm not bitter about it or anything. You know, whatever. Whatever. Then, in the middle of trying to talk to her and get a little bit of background about this Jake Curley character and about the train, Joe interrupts us, which Come I feel on, like it's a very Joe thing to do. Of course it is. You know, so we talk to the boys and, you know, Frank takes the high road. He, you know, he understands that compared to the people that are there, they're not that big of a deal. And Joe takes it obviously a lot more personally and wants to tell everyone that they do work for ATAC, American Teens Against Crime. But Frank has to remind him, Joe, we can't talk about that. You know, we got to keep that under wraps. So, you know, of course, Frank's just being level-headed like he usually is. And so at this point, after I talked to them for a while, I started exploring around the train and found... Um, some of those, uh, coin pieces, which I think they called slugs in the game. Um, and then I started, uh, just looking at various different things that I could look at. Uh, I found the little book of samplers on the couch. Um, I started talking to the other characters. I talked to John Gray and talked to Tino. I learned about ghosts. I started looking at like the piano and the music and then uh, talked to Tino again. And like I said, was looking around at everything and started learning about um, the gemstones and started searching for them. Really took my time like opening all the drawers, clicking on everything that I could click on. I did a couple of puzzles, started learning about these dolls. Oh my gosh really not a huge fan of as we've discussed before (laughs) but then pretty shortly after that i found um the tile door puzzle and did that and then found jake's letter to ruth kensington and then pretty shortly after that i found Lori. yeah it didn't take all that long to find her to be honest no which made me think okay so her disappearance is not necessarily 
necessarily a huge part of this. This is more just for show. Yeah. You know, to, to get the drama going. So, you know, whatever. And then at this point was when uh, I had to figure out about the name of Camille's dancing shoes and do the dance puzzle, which I think was my favorite puzzle that I did besides the cooking, which we'll get to that when we get there. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I have a joke for you. Okay. What part of the house, or in this case, the train, is off limits to ghosts? I don't know. The living room. Oh my God, I should have known. <laughs> Oh, oh my oh. gosh. So it's <laughs> where and another one. Where do ghosts trick or treat? Where do this, ghosts trick or treat? I don't know. Dead ends. <sighs> this one kind of reminded me of uh, Treasure in the Royal Tower with all the yeah. dead ends. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm texting the ghost joke to my husband because I want to see what he <laughs> says. Probably say something like, I literally can't stand you. <laughs> doesn't appreciate the dad jokes but i do another one with the conductor guy yeah i just saw this one a railroad conductor needs to make sure he doesn't go down the wrong track and lose his train of thought uh, <laughs> that one was pretty bad that one might have been the, the baddest one <laughs> if you can even say that baddest it'd be the baddest one the most bad. <laughs> Next, I looked at the cigar box that was under the periodic table of elements poster uh, and did that puzzle. I read the letter about the lamp from Thomas Wilson and learned that the lamp needed carbide and then uh, took the dance step diagram of Hurley's Whirly Burly. That's a mouthful. Yes, it is. Uh, and then, yeah, it was time for me to do the dance step puzzle, which, like I said, I did enjoy that. Uh, and then I did the grill pipes puzzle. And then here we go with the nightmare fuel of this game. The dolls. Ordering dolls. Oh. Uh, uh, and the one that says mama. Okay, here. Mama. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. It's the worst which one was it? I don't even remember what the name was of the one that did it. I don't remember. I don't remember. These notes don't say which one. But oh no, wait. Edna the Terrible. Oh gosh. Yeah, yeah, not a fan. So, <laughs> Mama. Yeah. I'm gonna keep saying it at random points. <laughs> it's my my you know sleep paralysis demon. I saw the ghost at this point uh, dancing outside one of the windows. Um, Funny thing is, I never did. Oh, I wonder. Okay. It must be an optional thing. And I just remembered, Candice, what level did you play at? (laughs) Oh, junior. (laughs) I did too for this one. (laughs) Junior. I've never played this one senior. I probably could. I don't think there would be anything that would really throw me off, but I don't know. I'm just so used to playing this one on Junior that that's just my go-to. Talk to the Hardy Boys about Lori and Charlena. Oh, I found out around this time that uh, Charlena had taken a storyline from uh, Lori's idea. Apparently Lori had written her and had mentioned some kind of idea for a story and Charlena ended up taking that idea. And Lori got mad. Yeah, understandably so. Um, and the funny thing more... is, all the men in this game hate Charlena's books. <laughs> yeah, which, I mean, makes sense, because, like, your average man's not going to read romance novels. And it seems like, they don't really say for sure, but it seems like Charlena's books are probably all about the old west since she is an expert in the old west and so i feel like old west is a real like niche thing that's only certain people like like i don't think the old west is like a universal thing that a lot of people like across the board um but then you mix romance in with it that your average guy is not gonna give a crap about that no 
So, and then I talked to John Gray and he let me listen to a recording that he had made, talked to Tino again. And then after a little while was when I, we got to Copper Gorge and that's when we went to the taffy shop. Oh, I forgot. I like that game too. Sorting the taffy. This is going to be hard for me. For our listeners, this is something that Alexa and I had talked about before we had started recording, was that we were going to, from now on, start listing our favorite game, minigame, or puzzle in each game. And this one's going to be tough for me because there are several that I really like. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that's one of them. I I enjoy sorting the taffy. And then, of course, I mean, we have to talk about Fatima. Hey, Candace, I've got a question for you. (laughs) (laughs) God love her. I love that accent. I want to know where that character was supposed to be from. She doesn't say, does she, like, originally? Because I'm trying to place that accent, and it's very obviously supposed to be Southern. But it's so exaggerated that I can't place where she's supposed to be from. I don't know. I don't, think, I, they, I don't think they say. You know what I really would like to have? Charlene's autograph. If you could get me a a, a an, an autograph from Charlena Purcell, I would really appreciate that autograph. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly how she said it, too. <laughs> I apologize if, like, people, you know, listeners, if you do speak like this, I do apologize. It's just the name of the game, the character. We love Fatima. It's just, you can't not bring it up, you know? Yeah, I know. I know. It's so true. And it's so funny because it really was a way to save on animation cost and time by having her wear that costume. But I really wonder if at any point they had drawn out what her character was supposed to look like. I just, I want to know. Yeah. (laughs) Because that accent, it's really hard to imagine what she might look like. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. A little bit of like Emily Griffith from... Ghost dogs. Yeah. A little bit. And I wouldn't have been surprised if there was actually, like, she didn't have the big giant head on. I wouldn't be surprised if she would have been in, like, her own clothes. It would be overalls and a cowboy hat and cowboy no, boots. Yeah, real. For sure. Yeah. 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 100%. Yeah. And then, so yeah, we have to get Sherlina's autograph. Oh my gosh. Uh, for the, um, the Yeti game, that one. Yeah. Did you do it faster or like one at a time with the balls? One at a time. I went full on like a million balls at once. Really? <laughs> yeah. You can do that. And it's like instead of just clicking like the thing one at a time, you can like go like click it like as many times as you want. And then that kind of helps speeds up the game a little bit. I'll have to try that next time. Yeah, I definitely do. I definitely did not do that. It took a while. And then it was around this time that I switched places with the Hardy Boys, and they were searching for the descendant of James Thurston, the engineer that had supposedly passed away in the train. Um, And this is when we get, you know, Joe's famous line, cheeseburger. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I I got another uh, joke for you. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> How does a train eat? I don't know. It goes chew chew. <laughs> oh my god! I have too much fun with these now. <laughs> I know, and I really do sit here and try to think of answers, and and then you say them, and then I'm just like, I should have thought of that. <laughs> At this point, I play as Frank and go to that little restaurant and play cook for a while, which, as we all know, love any of the games where I can cook. And every time that the bell dings, the guy has another memory. So we learned quite a bit of information at this point. Went back to the train and did the piano puzzle because 
John Gray was gone out of his area. I was uh, half ex- I was half expecting that John would get mad at Nancy with the if he still had left recording equipment in the room. Yeah, honestly, I kind of did too. They probably could have done that as like a second chance kind of scenario because he did have a lot of equipment in there. Then I fixed the um I got the carbide, fixed the lamp, and then went back to the car that John was in and talked to him and then talked to Charlena all the way and then ended up going back to town to go to the cemetery. Oh my gosh, that guy was creepy. It was very creepy. Thank God he did not have a face or I would be like scared. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then I went inside of the crypt and looked at Camille's tomb, opened up the that secret drawer back to the museum talked to fatima again did the taffy sorting which as much as i like that i'm gonna have to put the cooking above that yeah yeah i think i'm gonna have to say cooking is probably my favorite part of this game after i did the uh, taffy sorting puzzle frank called learned some information from him oh and then found out that jake was pen pals with samuel clemens who ended up being mark twain and then this is when we are getting down to the nitty-gritty of trying to find jake's lost mind so this is when we were doing the dining car pipe puzzle So that we could do the steam power for the machinery. We did the rubbing puzzle at uh, the crypt so that we could get the picture wisdom, eternity, charity, purity. Again, had to do more pipes. Okay, and then here's the thing. With um, Capu Cave and two games after this, here comes my point again. If Nancy can do shading in this game, why could Nancy not have done shading in Capu Cave. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, come on. <laughs> good point. And if you think about it, it wasn't a huge thing, but there was a little bit of shading that was done in the final scene. Yeah. Think about that, the key for the projector. Yeah. And there was shading that was done after this game in um, uh, Legend of the Crystal Skull, wasn't there? I think so. I'm almost positive there was. I don't remember what it was exactly, but I want to say it was in the graveyard. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to look that up. But then at this point, I was finally able to, I had all the jewels, the uh, tiger's eye, the zircon, the amethyst, the citrine, the tourmaline, and the peridot. I kind of forgot about the one in the dining car. (laughs) Yeah, you got that one. And because of that, everything worked. And we found out that we were going to go to a place called Brimstone Canyon. And so this is apparently where the mine is. Like what the contraption that we had to put all the gems in, it reminded me of like a robotic hand or an arm or something. Yeah, which that's one of my questions is, one, how did they have the technology for this in the early 1900s? And two, you can't expect all that stuff to still be working after all these years. Yeah. I mean, there's a thing called rust. Yeah. Like, I don't know. But, don't you know. know, it's an but knowing baby. Lori's dad, she he probably had, you know, lots of money and got it all fixed up nice and pretty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because she clearly gets whatever she wants. Mm-hmm. It, this point uh when we were uh going into the mine this is when we had to use the that colored wheel to figure out which way we were supposed to go which that took a while we had to remove the planks and you have to do it the right way so Uh that the mine doesn't (laughs) collapse Uh and then the next thing we know we see Jake's skeleton, so he's holding on to a picture of Camille, which is really sad. And then underneath that picture, there is a letter from President Abraham Lincoln written on the day that he was assassinated. Oh, God. Which is insane. And it makes me wonder, like, I have questions because it's like... So Jake Hurley apparently knew Abraham Lincoln and also knew Mark Twain. Who else did he know? And how yeah. did he know all these people? Yeah. And did he die naturally? Like, did he, like, maybe have a heart attack or something like that? Yeah. I don't know. But um, either way, after we 
read that letter, um, the villain comes in. Do, 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 and it's Lori. And it's Lori. So we have to try to get away and ride the uh, rail car. And we end up getting out. And Lori ends up in the mud. Ha <laughs> And the Hardy Boys are there. And that's pretty much the end of that. <laughs> I just had so, a laugh when, when Lori got in the mud and like, you kind of deserved it. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. So I'm going back to the Nancy Drew wiki page. Got a, a little bit of trivia. Like I said earlier, there are lots of hidden 13s in the cover art for this game. Uh, like I said, not 100% sure how many, but there are several. Um, and apparently also per this wiki fandom website, Her Interactive was apparently supposed to only make 12 games. It's unknown why they kept making games, I guess just because of the popularity at the time, but apparently they were going to be stopping with 12. Apparently in the drawer of the doll shelf, Camille has the same type of jewelry box that was shown in Message in a Haunted Mansion in Abby's room. Okay. I didn't know if you knew that or not. All four of the major characters are parodies. We kind of talked about this a little bit. Lori is a parody of celebrity socialites that arose around the mid-2000s when this game came out, such as Paris Hilton. Uh, John's show Ghost Chasers is a parody of Ghost Hunters and a trend of paranormal reality television series. Charlena is a parody of romance novelists such as Nora Roberts. And Tino is a parody of bumbling television police detectives such as Columbo. So all of them were parodies, which makes sense. And then there are two uh, goofs in the game. Uh, the first one is Jake's periodic table of elements contains elements undiscovered until long after his lifetime. At the time of his death in 1903, only 84 elements had been discovered. Okay. It's an easy mistake to make. And then the second one says the 1883 letter from Mark Twain alludes that Twain hadn't thought of his character Huckleberry Finn. However, the character appeared in The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, which was published in 1876, which would have been seven years before that. Okay. Again, you know, simple mistake. So now we are at the point of my favorite thing to talk about. The ways that you can die in the game. <laughs> I love how you get so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I can't help it. So here are the ways that you can have to second chance. Alexa, let me know if you've ever, ever done any of these, either this playthrough or any other playthrough. So uh, you can pull the emergency brake and Nancy will hit her head when the train comes to a sudden stop. I've never done that. <laughs> okay, I might have. <laughs> uh, pull the wheel that releases the steam through the train before connecting all the pipes and the train will be flooded with steam so I did do that but I shut it off quick so I didn't have to second chance it okay <laughs> um, pulling the boards out of the mine out of order will cause it to collapse I didn't do that one. Oh, I've definitely done that multiple times <laughs> Taking a wrong turn on the tracks, and there's plenty of ways to do this. You cannot hit the switch at the end. You can either fall off at the first turn off. You can get stuck in the mine forever at the second turn off. You can get blown up by uh, TNT at the fourth turn off, or you can get crushed by rocks at the second turn off and the fifth turn off. I've never done that, but your facial expression kind of makes it seem like you've done at least one of those couple of them <laughs> i actually didn't mind that one that <laughs> the end yeah <laughs> definitely definitely did that one but yeah i mean overall i really feel like this game is for very obvious reasons i think it's a, a fan favorite i think it really combines a lot of good elements love the playability between nancy and the hardy boys compared to the horror of the characters in Creature of Kapu Cave, I like the way that the Hardy Boys are designed in this game much better. Uh -huh. um, and I think a lot of other people would agree with us on that. 
I feel like, you know, we had a good balance of characters. Like we had some that were like just so out of touch and then some that, you know, were so far down the rabbit hole of like ghosts and believing in that. And then you had your skeptics and uh, your spoiled rich girl. And then you had the normal people, Nancy and the Hardys. So I feel like it was just a really good mix of strong characters, uh, strong storyline, I mean, I really can't think of anything that I don't like about this game. Imagine if we got a group of Nancy Drew fans on this train and we had some kind of mystery we had to solve. Oh my god, would that not be like an amazing convention kind of idea? Like, I mean, that's like a, it's like a dinner show on steroids. (laughs) something like that you know what I mean like I just think that that would be so much fun I've never ridden on a train like that and I think it would be a lot of fun to do they do have mystery train rides where you go on a train and there's like a whole show and dinner and I feel like I've been on one when I was younger can't remember for sure but a Nancy Drew one would be perfect it would be absolutely incredible and I've never actually like obviously not done this in real life but have jumped from train car to train car like Nancy yeah. does. <laughs> Nancy's brave. Uh-huh. She's very brave. But yeah, I mean, I, I really, I I understand why this is a, a really strong contender for one of the top games. It's definitely in my, 100% in my top 10, but I'm pretty sure I'd put it in my top five. Yeah. Now, here's um, my question. So obviously we talked to the conductor guy. How do you get up to the front to actually meet him? Because there's no way to actually, I think, go to see him unless you go outside the kitchen. I guess you'd have to do that. I don't know. Because obviously you can you can talk to him on the phone, but yeah, like it's there's no connector piece like how we see in the other cars, like front to back. You have to go like sideways in, I guess. Yeah, maybe there's not a door like a back entrance to it. Maybe it is just a side entrance. Maybe. I don't know. It's a good question. And then, okay, um, Tino and Lori. <laughs> like, why were they ever in a, in a relationship is another question. Um, I could see Tino just doing it for the publicity, the fame. I could see her doing it for the same reason, but I could also see him doing it because she has money. She doesn't have money. She comes from money. There's a difference. Yeah. And like I said, you know, Tino came back in another game. Obviously, Charlena came back in this game because she was a phone character in Secret of Shadow Ranch. But if I had my way, I would want John Gray to be in another game because I think his ghost stuff is really cool. And he was like a strong character, I felt like. Yeah. With some pretty strong opinions. Um and I don't know, I just, I would have liked to have explored that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, like I said, you know, I wish that we could have seen a, like a real visual of Fatima, like what she really looks like and instead of wearing that mascot head. But I understand why that was done. You know who, um, you know who would want to, I would want to get an autograph from? Who? Fatima. Yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, she's good. I really enjoyed her character. Um, but yeah, I mean, solid game. Really good. Uh, I mean, this was like during, I feel like, the high points of her interactive. So yeah, really enjoyed that. Um, did we have any um, viewer comments about this game? Yes. Let's hero. Some listener comments. Let's hear some listener comments. Alia.the.elf said an absolute classic. Nerdily underscore dorky said literally my fave game. I love the ambience, story, and puzzles. Ray of Light underscore 13 said, very unique plot and setting. Riley.Marie.Francis said, one of my favorite games. 
definitely in my top three of all time. It's a classic. The Nancy Drew Times said, I love it. I love it, especially the setting. Yeah, setting is good. ND Walkthroughs, Pew, Friend of the Pod. He said, Yes. Best Nancy Drew game ever. Danielle.small said, one of my most replayed Nancy Drew games. <laughs> yeah, I really do feel like this one has a lot of replayability um, just because, you know, and maybe some people don't count Fatima as a full character just because we don't meet her until like more than halfway through the game, but I still count that as another character. So there are a good amount of characters in this one, but I feel like they're not. Like, they don't, none of them get lost, if that makes sense. Like, they're all strong enough that they stand out. Yeah. And I feel like you learn a little bit about them, which is good. Because I feel like there are some games where you don't learn as much about people. And so you don't, I feel like you don't establish that kind of relationship with them. So you don't necessarily care what happens to them. Whereas with this game, I feel like, you learn just enough to care about the outcome. Yeah. Uh, Grace writes books said good game, fun to play more than once. C Catherine H a said, love this one. The silent Bible study seven said it's a good, strong storyline mystery, but I think a part of me wished for a convincing baddie little boring too. I mean, yeah, I, I could see that. Uh, I guess it's kind of hard to imagine a different villain, but like it would be interesting if it was Charlena or John Gray, because, you know, Charlena played a part in Secret of Shadow Ranch, but it wasn't a huge part, but she had a lot of information. So it would kind of track. You know what I mean? Like, I just think it would have been a really interesting twist if it had ended up being her, but we thought, like, long ago she was, like, an okay person. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I could see, I see what they mean. Underscore said, fun, but going back and forth between train cars is kind of tedious. Mm-hmm. And the last one is Garrett D. McCune said the characters were A-plus in that game. Yeah. And that's all of them. Awesome. I love when we get viewer comments like that. I think it's so fun. Yeah, I think it's fun. It's like, it's obviously, yes, we talk about the games, but it's also nice to hear what other people's perspectives are on it. Yeah, I agree, especially if someone brings up a different point than what we think. Because I feel like you and I are pretty... For the most part, we have pretty similar points of view when it comes to a lot of these games. So I I really do like it when someone else has a different idea, like if they like it more than we like it, or if they don't, why they don't, that kind of thing. Yeah. I think it's always interesting. Yeah. I had one more note that I found it hilarious that at the end of the game, when Tino he wasn't happy that he wasn't the center of attention anymore after John and Charlena started fighting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. He's a mess. Mm-hmm. You know how there was the gate that we had to open to get to Camille's right, or the crypt area? And the uh-huh. cemetery guy lost the... Well, he didn't lose it, but he dropped it in the grate. Yeah. Why do they put gates around a graveyard or crypts? I don't know. People are just dying to get in. Oh my gosh. Or out, depending on how you look at it. Oh, that's just... mm. God, that reminds me of... Ghosts of Thornton Hall. (laughs) Going going into the mausoleum and then there's Harper. Good times. If you're going to be speaking ill of the dead, it is a grave mistake. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's it for now. (laughs) Hang on tight for the lovely interview that we have at the end of this episode. Hope you enjoy the episode, everyone. And we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Lowell, thank you so much for 
coming on with us. How are you? Oh my gosh, I'm thrilled to be here. It's another gloomy day. No, it's not too bad uh, in Seattle, but as you might be able to see, the leaves are turning a glorious oh, shade of red. Love that. Yeah, so leaf raking is something I have to look forward to. <laughs> it's uh, pretty much where I am too. Like leaves are changing, all that fun stuff. Yep. Yeah. Candace, would you like to start us off? Sure. I guess we should just go ahead and start with the basics. Can you tell us a little bit about like your educational background as far as voice recording? Ooh, well, I guess the true beginning of voice recording was uh, when I worked as a reporter. I was a broadcast journalist for several years. Uh, and I say that trep in a trepidatious way because broadcasting is not necessarily the way you want to get started in voiceover. Mm -hmm. Because in broadcasting, we're taught to broadcast, you know, talk to a lot of people, lower our voices, talk in an unnatural way. Whereas for most voiceover, they train you to be natural, speak in a higher register, have more ebbs and flows, more variation in the pitch of your voice. Voiceover is notoriously difficult for broadcasters because they have to beat the broadcast out of you and make you a real person again. Did you find that transition difficult? Oh, yes. Yeah, very different, difficult. Because when you've done something for like several decades and then all of a sudden they're like, don't do that. Do this other thing. You know, you're a real person. You don't talk this way when you go home. So just talk the way you talk at home. And then you start talking as a broadcaster again. And then they're like slapping your hand. And they're like, talk the way you talk at home. And you're like, I do talk like that at home. You know? <laughs> it's like old habits do die hard. I understand. I understand. But in, in terms of specific uh, voiceover training, I've had the wonderful opportunity to work with Maurice Tobias in LA and Nancy Wolfson in LA and I would train with them via Skype because one of the hardest things to learn especially in voiceover coming from broadcast again mm -hmm. in broadcast they don't care necessarily what words you punch as long as you punch some words but in real speak and in voiceover no the words that you punch the words you highlight they're the important words. They are the words that carry extra meaning. So you can't just say, um, a man was caught running into his house, you know, stuff like that. Like, well, why, why house? Or in right. broadcast, for a lot of broadcasters, it's like, just do all the verbs. Well, sometimes the verb is not the most important thing in a sentence. Sometimes it's a qualifier. So uh, Nancy's were very good at beating that aspect of broadcast out of me <laughs> i'd actually seen a video kind of talking about broadcasting and it was it was uh, like a husband and wife and so the the wife was the broadcaster and she was you know like had her own way of like talking to her husband at home and then she did as i think it was like the weather person so she did her weather person voice versus <laughs> rather than her at home voice and i think it was starting to book a partner <laughs> So is there kind of, you know, for you was, you know, with work, broadcasting and home, was that, could you differentiate the two or was it like a bit more challenging? It was a bit more challenging because when you're a broad, it's very strange when you're a broadcaster, uh, they always tell you to be natural while trying to direct you to do unnatural things like lower your voice. Uh, talk very rapidly because broadcasters do talk quite a bit quicker uh, these days than the, the old days. Uh, move around, point to things. These are habits that you adopt in your daily life. And I can't tell you how many times when at a party or something, you're just talking to somebody, talking to somebody, and then they'll stop the conversation and they'll say, why are you interviewing me? <laughs> and you're like, I'm sorry. <laughs> force of habit <laughs> um if when you prepare for a, like any kind of role that you do um what kind of like preparation just in general do you have to do just it, it depends like if, is it uh, on camera or strictly voiceover just for anything there are basically two modes of preparation there are people who prepare a character oh, this is on camera i'm talking about excuse me from the inside out in terms of what did this character eat for breakfast? Um, 
How many people in his family? What's his religion? How does he feel about his religion? How does he feel about his mother? Uh, um, what kind of building does he live in? What's he smelling right now? Stuff like that, right? Then there are other people who approach a character from the outside in, in terms of, oh, well, he dressed dress with quite a bit of panache. So he'd wear this and he'd wear a hat and he'd do this. And then the character comes to them that way. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot more of the serious actors go inside out. But for me, it's easier going outside in. Like if I see something that the character might adopt or wear or just have with them that I can have with me, that helps me. And that's on camera. Uh, in terms of voiceover, finding a character, it depends on what they say in the specs, especially if it's like commercials and stuff, or, or even with uh, video games. They'll list a character, they'll list an actor, they'll say, oh, we're thinking someone along the lines of blah, 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 blah. Sometimes you know the names, like Morgan Freeman, of course, or uh, Dennis Leary. A lot of times they'll throw a name at you and you're like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> and so that's when you really uh, get good at Google and you hope that Google recognizes the person. So you play a little of that and you decide, I can nail that. I can't nail that. Or... I can nail the attitude and here's my take on it. And sometimes that works. Sometimes that's preferred. Understandable. So what got you specifically working in video games? Nothing beyond an agent saying, here's an audition for you. Just go do it. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. So that was it. And I enjoyed the process very much because I remember when I did the Nancy Drew when you're just thinking, oh, I'll just go and I'll just spend a couple of minutes. I'll lay something down and then it'll be like, bye, back in the car on the way home because this was on the east side uh, in Western Washington, uh, east of Seattle. But no, you go there and the creators, they've got, they've got skin in the game. So they've got a specific notion of how they want this character to sound. So they will work with you and say, what else you got? Well, what if you sounded like this? Or what if it was this kind of day for him? Or what if he had a cold? That type of thing. And you're like, I, I didn't sign up for this. I wasn't ready for this. So that was my initial take on video games, that they don't mess around. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Um, so this isn't just necessarily about your role in the Nancy Drew game, but in any of the games, after you have kind of laid down your part of it, were you shown like visual graphics of what your character was going to look like? Or is that like dependent game to game? No, uh, usually, and it was the case with Nancy Drew, they did have uh, the sketch. They did have the drawing of what okay. the character is. Whether you want to admit it or not, when you see the character, his hair or what he's wearing or how thin or, or not thin he is, then you just start psychically adjusting your voice or whatever you came in with thinking, oh, I'm going to make him sound like this. Mm -hmm. So yeah, a, a lot of them, if not most of them, will show you an image beforehand. Okay. Prior to you uh, voicing John in uh, the Nancy Drew world, um, had you ever heard of Nancy Drew or the Hardy Boys? Oh yeah. As a kid, I had... I'm not going to say I had the entire collection of Nancy Drew, but for whatever reason, where while everybody else was reading Hardy Boys, I had a lot of the Nancy Drew books. That's cool. <laughs> and like, do you have any, like what, before you go in for a role, whether it like in person voiceover, do you have any like superstitions at all that you have? I did, but I've kind of gotten over them because it becomes a paralysis of analysis. Whereas get up in the morning and you have coffee and then a last minute audition or something will come in. And then you'll remember your voice teacher saying, don't drink coffee before or during a session, or don't drink milk. And then you'll start freaking out because uh, if you're doing a live direct session or a live audition with somebody, you're gonna think, oh, they're gonna hear the milk on my voice. or they're gonna, they're gonna know that my uh, vocal cords are tightened up because of coffee or something like that these days for me it's just more like this is what real people do they drink milk they drink coffee if I have the attitude and I come close enough if I give them something that is in the ballpark that intrigues them then they'll say, they'll say uh pin that one save that one we'll come back to them we'll work with them makes sense 
for individuals, you know, thinking of going into like voiceover or just acting in general, um, do you have any tips or suggestions for those people? Yeah, start now, because there are so many people who later on in life or just all of a sudden decide, oh, you know, I can just sit around and talk. I'm just going to go into that. And it's like, no, you can't just go into that. Number one, you have to want it. Number two, you have to know the rules of the game in terms of uh, it'll probably take years so, or several months, if not years, to get to a point where you're proficient. Because there are a lot of voiceovers around the world. And it's especially hyper competitive now because with uh, Source Connect uh, and other telephony sources, they can pull a voice from London or Nashville or or Amarillo just as fast as they pull one from Seattle. So it's like, you have to bring something to the table. You have to have taken inventory of your voice, um, what characters you can do, uh, what accents you can sustain, if that's called on, breathing, can you sustain your breath? Uh, in video games, can you, um, shout when one moment whisper the next without totally blowing out your system things like that so there's a lot of experimentation and developing who you are first very good advice yeah makes a lot of sense so what type of video game role do you prefer as far as like what's your favorite kind of i guess theme of a game like do you prefer more like fantasy or is there just like a type of genre of game that you prefer to be in? Uh, more fantasy. Not, I'm not one of these, uh, and I'm not going to name them by name, but one of these violent video games. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because I cannot do violent movies. I can't do violent video games. I know they're not real, but at the same time, it's just like, they're real to me. Mm -hmm. So I love villains, especially villains who don't have to act like the villain, but villains who are the villains because they know best. Mm -hmm. uh, they know that what they want or what they want to do is not necessarily popular, mm -hmm. but it is for the greater good. Right. Sometimes the greater good is just their politics, their family, their tribe, even themselves. And the rest of you, too bad, so sad. I love those guys. When you are recording for a game, do you prefer to just be by yourself in an area of recording or would you rather be with the people that are, I guess, in the same scene as you doing their lines at the same time? I have a lot of fun when I'm with a group of people and we're doing it all together. The danger of that, though, is everybody's looking at the same script so we can say, see the same lines. So somebody else will do their line and you'll be like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. I wonder why he or she did it that way. Or, ooh, I never thought of that. You know, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So there's a danger in that that kind of sort of temporarily takes you out of it. But at the same time, it's fun because you see the creativity in action. And it's not one of those situations where you're alone, you do your lines, you send them in and you have no idea how you will play, if you will even play in the same world as the other characters. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, can you tell us about maybe anything you're currently working on or upcoming projects or anything? Sure. Uh, not VO related, but on camera related. Just did something and hopefully it turns out to be an ongoing thing. But it's one of those projects where you're in a warehouse and you do it against green screen. And it's a story about different universes. It's kind of like a sliding doors type thing mm -hmm. where different people in one realm kind of interact with themselves in another realm, okay. that type of thing. So that's kind of fun. Cool. When you were doing the voice of John, as you were reading the script, could you tell that you were like not the villain as you were reading? No, I couldn't. I couldn't. I think by virtue of the fact that they called me, there was like a, a possibility that I was a villain because normally when I'm called in, whether it's on camera or a voiceover, I'm the authority or the authoritarian. I'm the I'm the antagonist. I'm really the protagonist. So I had an idea 
but I wasn't sure. There's been talks about potentially another Nancy Drew game coming out. If you were asked to be a voice again, would you accept potentially being another voice for Nancy Drew? And any no, kind in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Because <laughs> even though I did that one so long ago, it is near and dear to my heart. It was so much fun. Oh, had you ever played Last Train to Blue Moon Canyon after it was released? I tried playing it once uh, and I tried again recently, but for whatever reason, my computer's like, uh-uh, not happening. <laughs> it ain't <laughs> happening. So I made it to a certain step. I don't know how far I got into it. Does he die? No. No? no? Does he go to jail? No. no. <laughs> Does he live happily ever after? What happens? <laughs> Did they really get into the, I can't, it's been so long since I've played the game. I can't even recall if they even at the end go into what happened to John. Do you remember? I don't really remember because it's been such a long time for me too since I've played. It's been a couple years since I've played that one. And I can't remember if in the end letter, if they get into what happened to him. I feel like they, maybe they don't. But from what I remember, he's alive and well. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go with that. That for sure. <laughs> if they re if they do do it again, it can be like, yeah, can we bring him back? Is he dead or something? I don't know. Yeah, let's bring him back. Like he was kind of like into the ghost, all that kind of stuff. So if he does come back, he could be a ghost. A ghost? <laughs> that would I be a like twist. the way you think. I like the way you think. <laughs> Keep those options open. <laughs> Well, kind of along those lines, are there any of the other games that you've been in that you have played? And if so, how does it feel to hear your voice coming out of a computer? Honestly, sometimes it's weird because sometimes you're like, is that me? I, I think it's, I'm, I'm not sure it's me. <laughs> so it is, it's the weirdest thing because um, it, in situations where somebody sa says, yeah, yeah, I think that's you, that, that's you, you either feel uber talented that day or you're like oh my gosh what was that thinking why did they let that through understandable so do you have an online presence where people can touch base with you if they feel so inclined yeah i have a facebook and an instagram though i'm i haven't i haven't gotten the the i haven't gotten the the hang of instagram just yet mm -hmm. i think i'm just supposed to post a bunch of pictures or something pretty much so yeah so I'm trying. <laughs> and I'm not sure what my future on Twitter is going to be. So <laughs> <laughs> that jury's still out. So what about you all? Are you all over people? Uh, I mean, really just doing the podcast. That's about it. Pretty much. Do it. You got the microphones. Do it. <laughs> You're right. I mean, the option is always there to just, you know, start now and see what happens. See, and, and you guys, you have the edge. Because remember what I was saying about broadcasters being the absolute worst people mm -hmm. uh, to do voiceover. When VO clients are looking for talent these days, invariably, they'll, they're looking for somebody who does a podcast. You know, somebody who can just talk, somebody who sounds natural, somebody who, who knows their way around a microphone, but isn't, I'm going to sell you something right now. That definitely makes sense. So like sometimes I'll just kind of play around with different voices, but I, you know, for long stretches of time, I don't think I would be able to keep up with like, if it's like a certain accent or something, but it's just for fun. Yeah. I think that would be the hardest part is especially if you're doing an accent that you're not, that's not like close to your register. I think that would be hard to do for a long period of time. True. But there are accent coaches all around. And you can even find help on YouTube. So YouTube is the best thing for you get a last minute audition. They're looking for British or South African. And you're like, oh, I don't know what to do. There are people on there who will tell you, this is where you put your tongue. This is how you do it. Good advice. Very good advice. Lowell, thank you so much again for coming in, chatting with us. Oh, it was fun. And I apologize in advance for rambling. And I'm like, oh, I hope Alex is a great editor. <laughs> It's all good. We have a, our editor, Megan, who will edit it all and all that fun stuff. <laughs> Megan, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. <laughs> She's used to us rambling. It's okay. Yeah, we ramble a lot. <laughs> okay. If you say so. Because <laughs> I don't want Megan at my door. <laughs> With scissors. <laughs>
Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of River Heights Buzz Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at River Heights Buzz. You can email us at riverheightsbuzz at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and our Facebook group and on Twitter at River Heights Buzz with just one Z. Check us out next week as we discuss Nancy Drew Mystery Stories number 47, The Mysterious Mannequin.